Welcome back, everybody. Cheryl Stalin. This is Sports Talk. It's on Tapped and Vinyl. Monk's here with me. Hi. Why'd you go all, like, very deep and throaty and baritone there? What's happening? The radio talk. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) This is my radio voice. We were were just on the front porch, uh, and I was talking about skating in a post-grunge era. Like, not skateboarding. Just roller skating. Yeah. And... And I'll, I'll back this up a little bit. Uh, you might want to swallow that. <laughs> you almost made it to where I couldn't swallow then. I just remember being 12-year-old, just a overweight kid eating Pop-Tarts, <laughs> watching the cable guy, just wanting my own experience of medieval times. And... <laughs> My older brother would have parties at the skate zone here in town, and I was just thinking about getting a big, fat, wet one. And here we are with the grunge. <laughs> Let's go, baby. And so, so what led us into this conversation is that I learned something new because I know about post-punk and post-whatever. But I've never heard of post grunge. Mm, it's a thing, baby. And I didn't know that Nickelback and Creed, two of the worst bands ever to populate the earth. Watch yourself. But who? I will say this: not about Creed, because I have no respect for Creed. Because in my opinion, Creed is not their fault. Ruined rock and roll. We've talked about that before. Holy cow! <clears throat> Just like yes, they. You don't think so? You weren't a part of alternative radio. When I was back in the 2000s. That's what anyway. I was going to say about the whole post-grunge thing. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking. And so I said, that's the difference in age. Because I remember going to Skate Odyssey here in town. And <laughs> I want to know what love is. That was a song. <laughs> My fat nacho-eating butt <laughs> uh, yes, was hoping yeah, to score. But I was at when the when the couples light would come on and the slow songs would happen. I would like get over in the corner because we didn't do the all night skates. I don't know if you guys did that skate zone. We seven o'clock at night to seven mm-hmm. in the morning. So we do all night skates, and I would like be over in the corner, like almost crying. Oh, I would hang out over there acting like I could play pool. <laughs> and I had yeah. I had the tit grease cooking, baby. <laughs> I was oh a little goodness. fat kid, dude, just just hoping for the best. Oh wow! <laughs> Let's That's go crazy. though. We're talking about the grunge, and this is the '90s, early '90s. It happened in Seattle for whatever reason. Ah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know where it happened. I remember where before I was. Nirvana, before Pearl Jam, there was something called Mud Honey. Yes, and before that, there was a band called Green River. Which, in my opinion, that's kind of where it started. Because if you look at the members of Green River, it's members of Mud Honey and Pearl Jam. And so they kind of branched off and made their bands after Green River broke up. And, I mean, Mud Honey, too. Let me say this. Props to the best band name ever. I decided that the other day. That's it. I followed them on the instance. I would have loved... To have been in a band called Mud Honey. 
Wasn't that be something? How cool is that name? But something <laughs> I like digress. Mud and honey. I digress. But I, you know, for like for us here in Columbus, the alternative bunch that we were, um, we didn't fit any anywhere. We had long hair, but this was 88, 89, mm. before the grunge thing happened. And like all of my friends, we were all wearing, we were wearing cut off army fatigues, combat boots, flannel shirts. It we had long hair. Punk, post-punk era. Yeah. I mean, so we, that's what we were living in. And then all of a sudden, the music that, because I was listening to um, uh, Mud Honey. I was listening to, to Dead Man, all this punk stuff. And I was Mud Honey, I guess, one of those first bands that got slid in there. But I think even before that, Soundgarden was around. Oh, shout out to Chris Cornell, baby. Oh, man. Let's one go. Of the most beautiful voices ever in the world. No one sings like you anymore, dude. Nope. But, like, we were all just, when it became popular, it was like, okay, we're not the weird kids anymore. Mm. We're, we're, we can be normal now because. These kids that hated us and picked on us want to dress like us now. Yeah, we're about to be made popular. It was really weird because then I think there's a shift with our generation, our group. We kind of didn't, we kind of stopped on the grunge thing, became a little more normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was such, because we weren't, we weren't fans of anything popular. Um, But I will say, I'll say my, the first big memory I have was 1991. Used to be a show years ago when MTV played music called 120 Minutes. What a way to put it. What? <laughs> Back when MTV played. Yeah, when yeah. they were music television for real. Not How about just that? MTV. This is before Bam Margeff, Evil the Bam, Jackass, and Wild Boys, and all this real yeah, world see, I don't crap. even know all. I mean, I know the Jackass stuff, you know, but um, we were watching 120 Minutes, and they world premiered Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I don't know what happened, man. Something within us was just like, holy crap. The way that uh, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer put it. Excellently. Was Heart Songs, if you ever want to look that song up. Uh, There was a record with a naked baby on it, and it broke the chains that were on my soul. Yep. It happened. It, It changed the entire way that music was induced Till this day, and now you think about everything from that day, even the way that some, and it's come back. I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of folk artists uh, wear sunglasses like Kurt Cobain, the yeah. real circular, sure. yeah, the real r- ones, yeah. ridiculous ones. Uh, everything is, is coming back in the style, and I believe uh, what... Kurt Cobain and Nirvana did, and I hate to give all that credit. And like, there are so many Pearl Jam heads out there. It's like, why are you no, giving well, it all to Nirvana? Yeah. It was Pearl Jam too. I'll back you up in a minute. Go and, ahead. And, and it was, it was also Mud Honey before all of them. It's like, why are you? No, it was, it was Seattle. It was Seattle sound. It was, it was not just Kurt Cobain. It was not just Nirvana. I don't disagree with that. No. Okay, but like. Kurt Cobain was the face of it. Maybe it was because the good die young. Maybe it's a 27 uh, No, it had nothing to do with that either. It had to do with the fact that they were signed to a major label and it just hit at the right time. Something happened in the ether that just... Took. It it bent, yeah, and it took. 
And Nirvana was the face of that. Because Soundgarden was around before that. Pearl Jam was around before that. Tad, I really Screaming wouldn't, Trees. I wouldn't consider Soundgarden A part grunge. of the grunge. Yeah, most you would? definitely. Most definitely. The first couple records. Now, you take in Black Hole Sun, they went the the kind of metal pop route. What would you say Stone Temple Pilots? Where would they fall in? That's more post-grunge to me. That's what I would consider, yes. If I had to name it, post-grunge sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, and, but I mean... And, they and so were, it's kind of hard to tie that down. And when you talk about grunge, there's only so many bands that kind of fit into that mode, Monk. Yeah, but I mean, I think to call it grunge... Is it, it? They're not the same styles of music. Do they have to come from Seattle? No, I don't think so. But that's where it all kind of started. But then, fast forward years later, they're calling Neil Young the Godfather of Grunge. He's from Canada, so get, it had get the hell it out of here. Nothing to do with <laughs> Seattle at that point. Nah, he ain't got um, nothing to do with nothing. I mean, you can call it what you want to. I mean, I don't think. I mean, grunge just because we were kind of grungy. That maybe. Speaking of the term, like, where does that even come from? I, I maybe it's just the 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 unwashed, unkept hair, long hair, and the. I thought flannels. it came more to the sound. I, because it was all so different. Because Mud Honey sounds nothing like Pearl Jam, sounds nothing like Nirvana, sounds nothing like Soundgarden. You know, and Alice like, in Chains—they were a metal band I, I, that fit into that mold somehow. That's one. That's another band, and one of my favorite bands. Shout out! Yeah, uh, Lane, you, you Lane you, Staley over you here. You make you jealous. Mm. Saw him live mm. before Lane was gone. Make me real jealous because <laughs> I saw him live after. Yeah, and I, shout out. You realize to, you realize and, that Jerry Cantrell did most of the singing. Yeah, and <laughs> so it, like, and that's one of the rare cases to where it was okay, and the guy that they got to replace Lane was it was good. His, it was fairly yeah. fine, but you like you said, it, it really was Jerry Cantrell. Yeah, and um, because it still sounds so much like the original Allison Chains, it's like. Wait a minute. I never thought about it while it was happening because I thought it was just an overdubbed Lane Staley. But you're so right because you had, uh, I would I would say, new metal is a good way to put it. That would have been Alice in Chains. I would mm, also, no. I, you wouldn't say that? No, I would not say that. I thought you did. Because new, no, I did not say new metal. No, they're a metal band. Okay. But new metal, that came way later. That was Limp Biscuit and all that crap. That, that, and that's like, post grunge. Okay, so you put them in there with Nickelback no. and Creed? No, like post-grunge is like things that happened afterwards. We're talking about Woodstock 99. To, we're talking shit fest. Got you. Got like you. all that. Okay. But okay. DMX okay. really did give it to y'all, though. I will say that. He captivated 200,000 people. DMX, that was probably his best show. Shout out. Happy birthday in heaven. Yeah, rest in peace. I I'm, I'm pour a little bit out for my homies in my throat. <laughs> Gonna give it to you. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's so crazy. Like talking about that now, and like that's why I hate genres and genre talking. Yeah, it, like the Americana umbrella. Yeah. I don't really love because it's. I mean, it's just music. I, I I was finally able to properly describe it. Okay. To the southern, uh, it goes. From West Virginia, Kentucky to Tennessee is Appalachian. 
Appalachian folk. Tyler Childers, uh, Sturgill Simpson. Then when you get down to Alabama to the southern half of it, that's Alabama pine. That's when you start thinking about. But still the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm, but it's the south in it. That's that's the sure yeah. That's Appalachian pine, and you start thinking about people Jason like Isbell. Jason Isbell, things of that nature. Just, Towns Van Zandt or Justin. And then Towns. when you then when you want to take folk on over to Mississippi, sorry, <laughs> folk on over to Mississippi, it gets bluesy. And then you talk about blues. You talk about that hill country, Delta, Bentonia. And so when you talk about styles of music, it's almost like you're not really talking about the style. You're talking about where it came from and what it sounds like. Yeah. And I definitely think I would not argue with anybody. There was a sound coming out of Seattle. Because like us growing up here or me growing up here in Columbus, Mississippi, there wasn't stuff to do, you know? It was boring. So you had to make your own fun. And so why not? Let's just jam around and want to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a, it's a melding, too, I guess, of the musical influences. Because you could take Led Zeppelin and... Um, Still slaps, by the way. Not a big fan, but yeah, we had never talked about that, I don't believe. So Led Zeppelin, but uh, there are... Freaking amazing. Black Sabbath. Still slumps. Um, you know, whoever. And you just melt it all together. Throw in some punk stuff, some Sex Pistols, some Dead Milkman, some Dead Kennedys. You know, and then you have a certain sound. If this is what everybody in this area is listening to, for whatever reason, because that's what's popular, that's what they've melted together. And they kind of feed off of each other. Because the guys in Tad... We're friends with the guys in Nirvana. They were friends with the guys in Soundgarden. They were friends with the guys in Mudhoney. You know what I mean? So everybody kind of fed off of each other. So that's how I think you get the Seattle sound. They call it grunge for what reason? I have no idea because you include bands that aren't from that area at the time. Alice Chain. No, Alice Chains was from Seattle. Were they? Yes. But you include bands. Like there were a couple bands from Los Angeles or the California area. That ended up being coupled into that. You're kind of like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But I mean, in all actuality, it doesn't need to be called in. The Seattle sound would have been better. That would have been, and I, and that's why I like when I think about like genres. That's why I say like, think about it as location. That's yeah. why. That's why you're, I like. You're exactly right. That's why I like Alabama Pine. That way, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. You're getting into drive-by truckers and. Jason Isbell and you're getting into uh, West Georgia, yeah. East Alabama, or actually, fuck it, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not getting into geography lessons right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would be East Alabama and West Georgia. You're 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 coming off the the tail end of the Appalachian Mountains in northern Alabama because the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains are in Brookwood, Alabama. That's it. That's where it starts. So that's right outside of Tuscaloosa. And so that's why I don't give a whole lot of qualms when we talk about blues. It's like, oh, you know, you got Hill Country, you got Delta, you got Bentonia, which is a small sliver. Then what happens when it went to Memphis? What happens when it went to Chicago? You call it for what it is. That's what it was. Notate where it came from, and then you know. 
Yeah, okay. Sure. Sure. You're, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Chicago blues and then a lot is of people, different from the Memphis blues and a lot of people Delta blues. And then a lot of people don't give enough credit. Like I would say like Mississippi birthplace of music. I'd like to check people on that. I would say it's more of a Black Prairie thing. I think the Black Prairie, which is uh, mid-Alabama, stretching over to Meridian, Mississippi, they used to travel by train. I I would accredit a lot of the early blues to train riders, and that was how they – because I'm not going to take anything away from these field calls and everything that was happening, but we cannot forget about the Black Prairie and what the Black Prairie did for the blues. Sure, sure. Yes. And, and we should not forget but that. But then also, too, I watched a TED Talk one night, the only TED Talk I've ever watched. I think it was Chris Thomas King, who's a blues musician out of New Orleans. Um, also, he was in um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> um, they pulled on my heartstrings. He said that the blues started in New Orleans. Yeah. So there's I've always, heard that. There's that, too. I've heard so, that. You sent that video to me. Who who? I no, I did not send that. It might one. have been it might have been John. Yeah, it was maybe talking, so. we, we were talking. We were arguing about the blues. Like, <laughs> Hell no, the blues didn't start in New Orleans. Yeah, it no. was out, New Orleans was always jazz. I mean, I just think jazz that blues at best. Somehow, the jazz melded into what we were doing, and somebody popped up, and it was like, oh, that guy's from New Orleans. That's where the blues started. You so know, whatever. We're making our point of location, but let's get to the grunge. Okay. What do you say? Like, um, when you... I was You saying, were there. You I was, were there. I was there. I was, the, and, and I was born in 1974. So by, what we're looking at, 84, I was 10. So by 91, I was what? 16, 17? Prime 18 time. years old. Um, Cutting I, edge on culture. At that point, for those of you youngsters listening, um, <laughs> Lollapalooza was a touring thing. It toured around the country. So I went and saw Lollapalooza 2 and Lollapalooza 3 in the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. And I got to see Pearl Jam on the 10 tour. I got to see Soundgarden on the Bad Motor Finger tour. All of the... It was prime... Like... Holy crap. Mm-hmm. We're able to see this. I forget what record Primus was on when I saw him. Um, Raging is a Machine on their first record. Um, Lush on the, like their second record. I saw House of Pain and Cypress Hill on their first records. <laughs> Let's let Monk rub it in all of our faces. Of all now, the things that he's done. I like to think that I tell like really cool things that happened in my life. And I don't like to think that they're bragging, but I'm bragging right now. <laughs> that, that, that's good stuff, I mean, dude. To me, I saw Rage Against the Machine first record open up Lollapalooza, followed by Tool on the opiate mm. record. That to me was the best opener headliner I could ever see in my life. <laughs> without, without question, dude. Without question. So, but, I, you know, I mean, growing up in, in this whole grunge thing, it was just, it was exciting to me. And I maybe it's just because I, I've reached And you were in radio at this point, right? But you were working country? No, 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 no. I was still, I was still working college. Early days. I, um, yes. I was early, early days. I was still working college radio and I was working at a classic rock station. I mean, so how did it break the scene? Because like you were just robbing this 
never mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. And that like, was maybe a couple years before. Yeah. But but once I heard the Sex Pistols, my whole world opened up. All of a sudden, at my touch, there was Nirvana and Pearl Jam and and Alice in Chains. You know. It was it was like there will never be another and maybe it's because I'm at the older point in my life where I look back because I think there's a time when we all find our classic rock quotes in the air. There's a time when we find that music we grew up with, whether it be the punk from the seventies or the grunge or the eighties pop or it be, you know, hip hop from the nineties, whatever. You know, I think in my brain that our generation, my generation, not yours necessarily, because you're Gen Y, right? I'm Gen X, you're Gen Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think in my generation, there'll never be another mind-blowing, music-changing moment yeah, in history. if you will. Yeah. Um, there'll never be another one. I mean, there was the Beatles from my mother's generation that came and changed the face of music. Nirvana and everything that followed... Change. I mean, they, they credit Nirvana, but I give credit to every band that became popular at that time because it defined that generation. I don't think Nirvana necessarily defined it. And that's what I'll say about this millennial generation, just with the way that music is ingested, is I don't know if you'll ever have that phenom now because everything is streamed. Because it's so accessible now yeah like you, you you may not have that blow up moment like it was then to where it just took the world by storm it's like yeah. oh my gosh look at this yeah because so, back then that's the only thing everybody could concentrate yeah, it was the on. power radio yeah or the power of television with ed sullivan and the beatles you know and shout out to the spirit of radio who wrote that rush, rush yeah listen to spirit of radio if you yeah. want and listen to rush period yeah uh, when they when they talk about the spirit of radio, that was the power of it, and that was the power of your local DJ, and that is what I used to love about that. And now yeah. it's gone. It's gone. And if you are a fan of new, you have never heard of Rush. Maybe you're a fan of Primus. The biggest influence on Primus was Rush, as it should be. They actually toured with Rush. My cousin saw them at the Boutwell Auditorium in Birmingham, Rush and Primus. <laughs> How cool would that have been? What a better lineup. <laughs> that would have been an awesome show. And I'm going to talk, we said that. You know, another really cool show to have seen. How many rabbit holes are we going to get in? Do you remember? I'm, just, I'm famous for that. <laughs> Plus, the beer flowing. Um, you remember Slide and Family Stone? No. Tell me more. You don't know Slide and Family Stone? No, send me something. I want to take you higher. Um, oh my gosh, you don't know Slide and Family Stone. Maybe I do. Sing it some, sing it some more for me. Let me. <laughs> you just want me to sing or what? Yeah. Do you really not know them? I don't know. Wow, man. You've got to delve into Slide and Family Stone. These, uh, I told you about these fruit forces. Everyday people? Yes, I know them. Um. If you want me to stay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, let me uh, yeah. be myself. So Hell they, yeah, those guys go hard. They took um, um, Bob Marley and the Whalers out on tour with them, opening the show. After about six, seven gigs, they asked Bob Marley 
to get off the tour because they were getting a bigger response than Sly and Melvin Stone. Dude, I remember. That's cool. I, my favorite band, Band of Horses, I called them. Uh, first time I ever saw them was in Memphis in May at the Bill Street Music Festival. Yeah. And, oh, I will never forget that. And then they went on tour with the Avett Brothers, mm-hmm. whom, I've, whom I'm a fan of. Sure, yeah. And they opened. And that was the first time that I ever saw a two-bill set to where the opener outplayed, outshined yeah. the main event. And, like, to this point, is like, I know the the Black Keys had brought the Band the Horses on to do all that. And I, I don't think that Band the Horses could out... It depends on who you are, but, like, man, Band the Horses is dope. But like, I, I totally understand that. I've I've been to two or three shows, and I always love that about people. Those are the people who are hungry. Like when you go to a festival, yeah. And this is what I tell people now, and I think my festival days are over. I, my, they're numbered. I'm I got maybe three more in me, monk. <laughs> but and you're young, dude. Yeah, but I just, I just don't care. Like I like throwing my own now. Sure, there you go. But uh. Like, fast boys. Yeah. Oh. The videos but, uh, are out. Y'all share it on yeah. your socials. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Taylor Hollisworth was shining. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Look at those low-name guys. Those guys that you can barely read on the banner. Those are probably the ones you really want. You. Those, they hungry. Those are the ones. They hungry. Yeah, those are the ones you're like, wait a minute, I saw... You know, you're watching MTV one day or whatever you're watching, and this huge band is on yeah. American Idol, and you're like, "Wait a minute, I saw those guys mm-hmm. at Double Decker, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just two years ago. <laughs> yeah. How did they get there? Yeah, I think there've probably been bands that I've seen like that over the years. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, all the grunge stuff, obviously. Yeah, we gotta get um, back. It happened, but like to think about, I mean, the fact that I saw House of Pain. And Cypress Hill on their first records, and how big those guys become, especially Cypress Hill. Um, I saw the Booyah Tribe too, and nobody knows who the Booyah Tribe is. I mean, the, the question that I have is like, I wasn't, I was alive, but I wasn't. Ninety two and ninety three. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was two, three years old. Sure. Like when that broke the scene, what did it mean? Like, like it. To me, it like for everyone old enough, it just it changed music forever. It seemed it, like yeah, but for people like me who had always been into music and had been music people, it made us reckon people recognized us. We were all of a sudden cool, like we were talking about earlier. That's what that meant. That meant giving credit to people who had long hair and wanted to grow their goatees out. You know, we're, in my opinion, my generation, is the reason that we're able to have tattoos at work now. Because when I got my first tattoos, I was a little worried that it wouldn't be accepted at my work. Now, you go to dang Walmart, and the person's got a full neck tattoo going up the side of their face, you know? <laughs> yeah, my intern at work, yeah. dude, he's, he's tatted all the way. Like, he's got arm sleeves, and it's all the way up his neck. He's got yeah. face tattoos. Yeah. Shout, I love that guy. Shout out. I'm not going to call his name, but sure. He, I mean, huge, I, huge fan of him. Yeah. 
But I, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's on my team. You know, that's what. But it, like, yeah, when you when you look at him, like face value, it's like think about that social rapport. I guess if that's what you want to call yeah, it, it's like yeah. uh, people used to used to subtract that if you had that kind of thing. No, they don't. Yeah, when I was growing up, they subtracted that kind Cause, of thing. Because also, like, if you were to do something like that, in my opinion, it was because you were looking for attention. And now it's not so much; it's more of expression. Right. Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, it was expression, but people looked at it like we were looking for attention. We didn't care. We we stayed on the underground. But when grunge became a thing, or or this type, the Seattle sound, or whatever you want to call it, that happened in the early '90s, I think it was a birth of letting us be who we want to be for a little while. You know, until politics gets involved and screws it all up again later on in years, for a while there, we were all able to be who we wanted to be. It became a little more acceptable because at that time, all of those kids that were living in your basement and being really quiet came out of the house. Mm. And we started going to shows. We started going to the movies. You started seeing us at the grocery store. You know, I think that's what that... That whole movement did, if you want to even call it a movement. It was a whole societal movement. I mean, I think point. it kind of was. I like mean, it, it let people out. like me, little 16, 17-year-old me, know it's oh, man, it's cool. You're 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 a little different, you're weird, but you you're all right. Come on, you know? And just, and just like with post grunge, but I wanna I wanna come back into grunge because sure. like I didn't hang out with post grunge my whole life because it, it really didn't resonate with me. Now that I'm older, it's fine. It's okay. I understand it. But like when I think post grunge, I think Nickelback. I think Creed. I, and, I, and I do think about like some of that post metal shit. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not calling it shit. If you like it, you like it. And I, I'm, you know, Limp Bizkit did it all for the Nookie. and that, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that's fine. But like it all looks back and that, that's what I'll tell people about everything that anyone does is if you like something that someone did if you'll just flip a page you can get back to the influence and you're talking about your Chris Cornells you're talking about your Eddie Vedders you're talking about Lane Staley Jerry Cantrell Kurt Cobain and you're talking about something Mark that, Arm mm-hmm. from and, Mud Honey and you're talking about these people who entirely shaped the way that we viewed American music and for the first time, when I look back on grunge, you had a whole back and forth with the UK versus America for a while. It, uh, when Led Zeppelin hit. When well, the Beatles hit. When um, Sex Pistols hit. America was looking for their answer. Yeah. And for the most part, America, you know, you could say Beatles and Beach Boys. Sure. And then you would say Led Zeppelin. Well, who does Led Zeppelin match up to? And, and, and you go back and forth and all that. But, like, for the first time with grunge, in my opinion, when it comes to American music, that was when America really set the tone and set the world completely on fire Yeah. for something. Sure. Gotcha. Musically. Yeah. 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 But like musically it's so crazy to say because like when you think about Mud Honey, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, not that good musically. Like most of those songs are easily covered. It's not like they were doing anything impressive. Yeah. 
it was just the way that they were doing it. Sure. Now, when it, comes to, when, when it comes to sound gardening, Chris Cornell, a lot of people sleep on him. Chris Cornell was not just a good guitarist. He was a mighty fine. I didn't know he was really a guitar player. I knew he yeah, played he guitar on songs. Mm, but. He was sick. And I'll say this, too. Higher Truth, if you ever get a chance, sit down with Chris Cornell's solo record, Higher Truth. The dude is a freak of nature. Just sit down with Chris Cornell's Nothing Compares to You. That's all you got to do. Yeah. no. Who could cover Prince? I mean, Sinead did it. She, he covered Sinead's version of the song because Prince's version was a lot different than her version. But he covered Sinead's version, and that is one of the most pure vocal performances I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, past... Robert Johnson in 1920-whatever. That's why they say no one sings like you anymore since he passed away. Man, nobody does. There's not. There will never be another voice like Chris Cornell. But I'm going to say this about the post-grunge, and maybe you could say it about post-punk and all that stuff. I don't really think so. But post-grunge, I think, that was the record company's answer to... It absolutely was. When it started going down... The record companies came out, and that's why I say, I say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, that Creed ruined rock and roll, just like the Killers ruined alternative. Not the Killers or Creed's fault. It is the record company's fault. Because somebody came out, and every band that came out after them had to sound like like them. Just like because they thought... That's what they heard during the grunge sound. So they were like, ooh, Creed, they're a new band. Let's get a band of something. Here's Nickelback. And I'll give it to Chad, Chad Kroger. Can He's write a, a hook, great baby. songwriter. He's a great hook writer. He's His voice gets on my nerves. And his music is pompous. Look at that photograph. Come on. <laughs> and I do not like Scott's death. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that whole post-grunge thing... Was just a record company playing here. My my dick is bigger than yours to the other record companies. You know that's all that was. Yeah, and they were literally using these guys. And who who knows what they probably originally sounded like? That was just the way that they were twist, twisted and molded, and even yeah, a lot form, of formed to sound. A lot of like. them are put in with producers that are like, ah, uh, yeah, I think you need to do this though. Yeah, and I, you know, I've had some bands on the show who had some bad record deals and like things yeah. didn't work out because, uh, with what they believed that they should do with the band, they they just could not do that. I mean, and horrible pitfall, and that's probably why they never made it because they were not willing to sell their soul, so to speak, sure. to yeah. make that sound. Yeah, and they suffer. But now, and that is one thing I'll say, is like, yeah, Spotify doesn't pay good. Pandora's nothing. Apple Music, nothing. All these things, nothing when it comes to paying. But, hell, if you get a million, two million people, it is something. It's exposing people to your music. And you're kind of of getting outside of the box. But how to make that equal money and a... Find living for you and your kids. Uh, you're and your, good luck, buddy. You're you know. not. So that's that's where it just becomes a bad thing. Well, the whole music Go industry. to shows. Buy records. You know, I mean, I 
nine times out of ten will listen because I've got the 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 dots in my house, two separate ones, one in the kitchen, one in the living room, and I'll put it on my little playlist on Spotify, and I'll do it all over the entire house, and we'll listen to it before I listen to a record, but I still buy the records and put them in my mm. my space, you know, because when I go see West McDonald or the Blips mm. or Taylor Hollingsworth, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy what they got, a t-shirt, something, because I'm going to support them. Never leave a show without some merchandise. Exactly. Right Always support these artists. Go to the shows because you go on the shows, that's how they get paid. You know, most of them have a guarantee, but some don't. Some's like you get the door. Well, if you're going in the door at 10 bucks, then let that artist have your 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. You're too old to do it. <laughs> Buy a ticket and don't go <laughs> if you can afford 10 bucks, you know? And I, I don't know if we got too off, off campus, but um, did you? Anything else to do about the grunge? I mean, I, I mean, I feel like we could dig a little bit deeper later. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, it was the most exciting time in music for me at 48 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to experience. Music has never sounded as good as it did in 1991. I've heard that a lot. I, I would tell you this right now that music has never sounded better than what it does right now in 2023. There you go. And I firmly believe in that. And I'm not I'm not bullshitting. And I was sitting at Zachary's on a patio with my buddy and we were talking about music and there was a another guy, older guy, sitting at the table just next to us and he was overheard a conversation he wanted to interrupt. He was a big eighties hair metal guy and he was like Ain't nothing been better than the 80s and everything today yeah. is crap. And I was like, look, I understand where you're coming from. That was your heyday. But I'm you, telling you, if you really give today a chance, you might find something you sure, really like. Sure. And I think it's all in how you you interpret it. It's all in how you listen and how you ingest music. That's it. And he's not ingesting because it. Because I'm ingesting it now and I love it. But it's still not the same. Like I said, it's we, not blowing your hair we, back, so to speak. We find our classic rock. Mm-hmm. The music that typically happens between the ages of what fifteen and twenty-five, that's the music that defines who we are. That defined who I am. I don't know if it does you. But fifteen, twenty-five, that music is what you fall back on. But it's all music. You got to appreciate I mean, what's what, her, we, what I, we got. I'll, t- I'll tell you this: is a friend of mine. She's been on the show, Lauren Button. Shout out. Yeah. Is uh, she shared a uh, singer songwriter with me just two days ago, and I was like, I'm gonna put that on my list. But that's not just where I am right now, because summertime is special to me when it comes to music. And I only have so much space for like different times and different seasons for something new. Sure. And so I'll give that space to someone such as Taylor or, you know, early James or someone, you know, someone in the fold in the fam. But I'm I'm at the point 
to where like maybe I am that guy. It's like nothing is better than the ages. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm that guy. Nothing is better than Alabama. You know, maybe it is that, but dude, I I'm so gun ho right now. Like, yeah, send me your request. Send me the people that you want to have on the show. I'll have them on the show. But I'm dialed in on what I'm into right now, and and for this week, for this moment, I can nail down three right now. It's uh, Jason Isbell, and not just because we're talking about it. I sure. Been on it. Chris Cornell's Higher Truth, and BB Palmer. I'm I've been all over that for the past two days. So, I think that what you're into what defines you is what moves you yeah doesn't matter doesn't matter what era it is if the music moves you that's what the artist typically intended granted that you think that Scott Stapp has a different view of music than Lee Baines Mm -hmm. but they both started and thought, I'm going to touch people with this. So whatever got you there, keep it, promote it, champion it, let everybody know about it. Whether it's the 80s or grunge or now or alt country or or booty music. Yeah. If it, if it, it excites it, you it, and it make, makes you it, it feel it, something. And it may get that way. That's know? the whole point, man. The like, whole I, point. I feel some kind of way when I'm pulling Let this that, up. I mean, because shit, I could put on John Coltrane right now and I feel a whole different way than when I listen to Reverend Horton Heat. Trying to make me cry. You know? When I listen to Reverend Horton Heat, I feel <laughs> a whole different way. You know? Yeah. But but that's that's the... I think that is the the draw. That is the... The pinnacle of being a musician is to be that person that at least one person listens to you and goes, damn, that's my shit. And that's why we need people like you. (laughs) And I want you to plug it again now. Is you've got something in the can that you're planning. Are you willing to plug it? What are you talking about? Fish sticks. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we talked about the podcast. On the, on the other episode, not on this one. Yeah, on the other episode, we were talking about... <laughs> see, so I, I experienced a stroke and um, a traumatic brain injury. Um, and I want to just get shit off my chest and talk, frankly, about alcohol and depression and life and trauma and what it means in my life so sounds like grunge to me bro i've been thinking about thinking right now the working title of my podcast which is going to be just me at the beginning maybe later i'll have experts or something on um but the working title if you need an expert of idiocracy (laughs) i'm your guy right now is um the mind some trauma and homemade fish sticks. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> so I don't know. It probably won't fly, but we'll we'll work on it. <laughs> well, dude, uh, well, I want to leave this page open. I don't think we did enough grunge justice. Um, 
we think gotta, maybe we need to pull somebody else in on it. Maybe Taylor hmm. be willing to. <laughs> so, so we, but we danced around it. And we did a. I, I like what we did. Maybe Taylor, you shouldn't. Hmm. You got Come this honorary chair. What? Maybe early. Um, Maybe James. Who are we looking at? I don't know. Mm. You know who we should have on? Talk about grunge. Let's get Wes McDonald. If oh, we got to go, that would be fun. If we got to go to Birmingham to do it, let's get Wes. That in would be fun. And let's see if he'll talk grunge with us. That would be. It's been a while since I've been over to Cornelius. There you go. You might need to make a. Trip. I need to. Over to Old Elegante. Boys and girls, I hope you had a great time with us here today. Uh, we've been drinking Fruit Force in 1985s. <laughs> Shout out to New Belgium. Yeah. What the, up? What up? And uh, we're promoting safe travels and all that. Much love. We're out here. Yeah.